This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College. Welcome to the Summit Show. This is your host, Caitlin Hashem. It's so great to be in the studio today. My guest kind of looks a little nervous like she hasn't been radio before. <laughs> Dr. Debbie Ramonde, how are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? Good. It's so good to be in here. And it's a beautiful day in Bakersfield. It is. Well, a little windy, but it's a beautiful day. A little bit windy, but I actually had lunch today in the park with Dr. Sherry Rose. Oh, nice. Yeah, right before it started getting super windy, but it was a beautiful day and... It's not very often that we have nice weather in Bakersfield, so I just wanted to make a note of that. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's been incredible this year, actually. Actually, you are right. This year, for the first time, like, ever. Yeah. Lots of rain. I'm loving the rain. I'm loving the mountains and being able to see all the way around where we're at. There's mountains around here. Yeah. I never knew that. It's very hard to see them. (laughs) It's like four days of the year or something. I thought it was a myth until the rain started coming. I'm like, wow, we really are surrounded by mountains. Because Bakersfield, normally, if you aren't from Bakersfield listeners, uh, is so filled with smog that you can't see your hand from in front of you. It's really bad air quality. But I do have to say, you corrected me. Dr. Debbie, it has been nice weather in Bakersfield. We're not used to this. And it's supposed to rain again, I think, like tonight or tomorrow. I know. I love this rain. Just feeling so good. Happy to be here. If you have never heard this show before, we are representing Summit Bible College. Dr. Debbie Armande is a professor and a graduate of Summit Bible College, and she's also the founder of Be Finally Free. She's going to share about that. But before we get started, I want to let you know about Summit Bible College. We are a Bible College, obviously, in Bakersfield, California, but we are online as well as being in person. So we have classes that are local in person where you you come and you sit down and you interact. It's uh, rare these days that people have in-person classes, but we are still doing that. And I have to say it's it's um, been a journey because when COVID happened, we shut down uh, for a while as far as local classes were concerned. And so people kind of still have that like COVID mentality. I feel like Dr. W, do you feel that way? Oh, I feel it everywhere right like they're not coming to places so if you're listening and you're a student of summit bible college or you're going to be a student come to class please because it makes all the difference in the learning experience i think COVID made us lazy right yeah we just want to watch it while we have some popcorn right in our pajamas or whatever but i think the learning experience is much better in person personally i do absolutely agree with you you feel like you're connecting with the person You know, you get to see their face. And so anyway, all that to say, we are doing in-person classes as well as online still. And we're doing seminars. We actually have a um, marriage seminar that we just did last weekend that went absolutely amazing. And it was just amazing. Like seriously, marriages were blessed. People were being prayed over. People were receiving breakthrough. And not only are they receiving breakthrough, but they're actually signing on to the Bible college. Some of these married married couples and getting their education and then uh, getting counseling services that we offered as well, because we are connected with other counselors in this community. So all of that to say, if you are interested in getting equipped for ministry, visit us online at summitbiblecollege.com. Dr. Debbie, I remember when you were a student because you were in one of my classes. Um, that's so crazy to think about it was like a decade ago yeah it sure was what did you think about summit as a student like tell me where you were at in that place in your life and how summit helped as a vehicle to lead you into what you do now and then go ahead and tell us what you do now as well so you could talk for like 20 minutes if you want to (laughs) okay i won't take that much to tell you loaded question but i was in the security business at that time Um, i was the vice president of a company in town called current security and i felt like i really needed to go 
further my education when it came to my relationship with Jesus. And so I came to Summit, and I left a few years later unemployed um, from my job because I felt really during those classes that I was being really stirred in a different direction. And so I traveled all over the place, like to Kenya and Liberia, and I thought for sure God was going to send me to Africa, but he had a better plan. He was going to send me to prison instead of to Africa. Wow. So that's kind of how it started. It started in those classes, and then, of course, life was going on at the same time. But, yeah, that was the that was the direction I took after my time with Summit. So you're saying that when you came to Summit, you actually didn't fully know what your vision was? No, I didn't. You came in faith, and you knew you wanted to do ministry. You had some things you liked to do, but would you say that Summit helped you with your vision? Summit helped me spend more time with the Lord, which the Lord was giving me my vision. I just didn't know he was going to use Summit to do it. I mean, I was in counseling classes. What did that have to do with what I ended up doing? Um, I thought I was going to be a counselor, and then I started counseling, and I said, this isn't going to work. <laughs> exactly how I <laughs> was. Exactly how I was. So I, I didn't know that, but, but counseling was doing some work for me. You know, exactly. I was getting my own counseling. <laughs> Me too. And I always have counselors on this radio show. This one, you know, is a good one for any of you who are doing radio ministry. Invite some counselors if you need counseling because you get free counseling. I've been getting counseling for the last six months. I, I'm like healed now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it is. And, and then when you're in counseling classes, you got to read all these books and hear all this stuff. And you're like, oh, that's my life. Oh, that's what I'm going through right there. And you're receiving personal breakthrough. Yeah. Exactly. And impartation from the Holy Spirit. It makes me so excited. I'm getting all like hot in my face, like out of excitement, just remembering where we were at in that spot of, you know what? I'm going to leave everything else behind and I'm going to come to Bible college. Yeah. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be intentional about what I'm doing here. It was a commitment, wasn't it? It was a commitment and crazy stuff was happening in my life. Like I sold my home and it was in 2008 when I sold my home. And if you remember 2008, the housing thing, crisis Collapsed. happened and then I couldn't buy anything. And we were 15 months in a trailer. Um, we were living in a fifth wheel and I was working full time, raising kids in a fifth wheel and also going to Bible college. And I pretty much thought I was losing my mind. I remember being in that one day and going, I'm not content, I'm not content, you know, and, and God's going, yeah, you need to learn to be content in all situations. I'm not, you know, I'm miserable. And I'm pretty sure we stayed in that trailer for 15 months because God had to teach me about being content in all situations. Wow. So lots was happening through that whole journey. So leadership is one of your best uh, gifts, I think, and you do teach a lot of leadership classes, but... Aside from leadership, you obviously have a huge background in chaplaincy, which uh, kind of follows up with what you said just a moment ago that God sent you to prison. So maybe people don't understand what you mean. She didn't actually go to prison, y'all. She didn't get a sentence. She didn't get a felony. <laughs> she was a chaplain to prison. So why don't you talk a little bit about your chaplaincy journey? Yes. Um, what happened was I remember being in Kenya and I was walking around the campus. I went to a place called ATS, which is a seminary in Kenya. And I was going, oh, this is great. I want to be a professor here. I love it. You know, there's giraffes running around around and stuff. I mean, this is where I want to stay. And um, as I was walking around, I'd go to this prayer thing in the morning and just sit there and I just kept hearing prison, prison, you're going to go to prison, you're going to go back to the U.S. and you're going to go to prison. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm securing people from prisoners. Why would I want to do that? And so 
finally, I, I went, the very first time I went, I went to work with some juveniles. And I remember I walked in and there was like three juveniles there. And, and then I'm thinking, these little girls, if they roll their eyes at me, it's over, you know. And we got along so great. And I learned that we had so much more in common than I ever realized. And that was the very beginning of a love that just grew and grew for um, broken, lost, messed up people that people kind of give up on. And usually the problem is their life and their growing up and the the things that have happened to them in their life. And so it's just really great to be able to go and share Jesus's love, hope, um, forgiveness, and the things that they can really do. And then to see it, you know, years later and see people still doing fantastic is amazing. Okay, so there's so many different directions. I have this moment where I'm looking at the road in front of me and there's like 18 different paths in front of me where I could take here because you are a very dynamic woman with an incredible story. And I'm holding actually right now your book called Freeing the Prisoner from Within. Freeing the yeah, freeing the prisoner from within, which by the way is available on Amazon. It is. And it is by Dr. Debbie Ormonde. Wow. Amazing. So the reason why I'm saying we can go in so many directions is because, you know, you have all these areas of ministry that you've been very well developed in. The Lord has given you a lot of experience. And like you said, you were in the business of home security for how many years? 34. 34 years, right? That was your life. And you were up in corporate America, you know? A woman in a man's world, you know what I mean? Just living the dream, but it really wasn't a dream. And you realize, like, that's not what God was really calling you to do. Although you gained a lot of experience, I'm sure, and God has allowed you to use it. Um, but, I mean, I could talk about your business, uh, giftings. I could talk about the way you teach. We could talk about the material that you're covering right now, which, by the way, you are teaching a class currently, which is Lead Like Jesus. Yes. Phenomenal class. Love it. But I think the direction that I'm going to take is your story, because... That's the beginning of all this. And I think when I heard you say the reason you were so um, moved by these these women, these people that were in prison, is because you had such a hard past. I don't know if you were actually in prison, but you were in foster care, if I remember correctly. Tell us a little bit about your testimony. I feel like I have to hear it in order for the show to carry on. <laughs> well, I'll just tell you a quick part. Um, yeah. When... I think we, you know, my brother and I were talking about this the other day because my brother is back in church and I'm so excited about it. And we were talking about where things went crazy in our life and our family. We had a family that was kind of what I would think would be normal. And um, my mother and father began, they found the Lord and somebody introduced them and they they got saved and they met up with this pastor that was a really a nutcase. And after that, things went really bad. And, you know, my, my brother was saying, you know, I think the demonic thing, nobody taught us about the demonic part of what could happen in a situation like this. And so our family went really crazy at that point. My mom became a drug addict. I was only 10. And so um, she became an addict. She started using. She left my dad. And my brother was in prison. And there was just a lot of stuff that was going on in that whole thing. And so then she started giving drugs to me and my brother and my brother was giving them and sharing with me and so that was the beginning of a lifestyle that took a long time to get out of and a lot of destruction so um, I was awarded to the state and if you don't know what that was the state came in and said 
we're taking her away. She needs to be in foster care. And they put me in a home. And, and the home that I went into was really nice. Actually, I love it because I look back on it and I think the first place I went was a Christian home. And it was kind of like, if you think about America's Got Talent, they were like that. They were their family that all sung. And even the little kids and the, at dinner table <laughs> and everything. Now, I'm going into that going, what in the heck is this place? And they would sing this song, especially that was called Jesus Met the Woman at the Well. And... I was like, what are they talking about? Like, I don't get it, but I can sing it, but I'm not going to because I don't sing. And I can still remember the words, but all I knew was I needed to get out of there. There was a love in that home that I felt, but something that I needed to get out. There's a thing about kids. And I had a psychiatrist read my book, and the psychiatrist said to me, I got to ask you one question, because in the acknowledgments, I thank my mom and dad and my brother for my... um, for my journey on life and I said we had a love that no one will ever understand and she said you're right I don't understand how can you love when you're in this kind of situation and I said that you're a psychiatrist and you're asking me that question is really a concern to me because kids love their families no matter what kind of abuse goes on no matter if they've been beaten or molested or they've had drugs or whatever it is they still want this love from their family and so that's what I'm explaining in the book um, so we ended up, I got put in foster care because I kept running from every, I mean, every foster care I was in, I got put in juvenile hall because they said, we can't keep her, we can't control her. And so I went to juvenile hall for nothing more than missing school because my mother didn't make me go to school and we had truancy officers in those days. And so then I met up with a whole bunch of hoodlums in juvenile hall, of course, and I ran from the juvenile hall multiple times. And finally, I ran from Virginia to California, which is how I got to California. So I had landed here when I was 12 in Linwood and Compton. You got here when you were 12 years old? Yeah, 12 years old, running from the police with my whole family was running. So we were like, I always tell my people, it's like Ma Barker and the kids, you know, because my mom was the leader of the pack and she... You know, my my brother and I talk about it. we like we don't even know how we got here. We knew we drove here, but we don't know like how we paid for things, where we stayed. You know, my mom was really good at um, stealing credit cards, and back in those days, you didn't have the computer systems that you have now. You had that little card reader thing, and so you could get to the next place before they would ever even know who it was or what was going on. So wow. it was quite the crazy journey. And then when we had landed, landed in Linwood, well, we really were like on the right on the Compton Linwood. Just across the street was Compton. One side was Linwood. And that's when things just went really crazy. It was a party house. Um, anybody that ran away from school or ran away from home or didn't do anything, they could come there. And it was like a big flop house. And so. So that was. How many years of your life? Are you, are you well, saying your whole teen years? Uh, all my teen years, yes. My, um, <clears throat> until I was 17, I made a decision to, to follow Christ. I made it when I was 10, but when I was 17 was when my daughter's father was shot and killed by the police, and she was three months old. And so I got involved in Calvary Chapel. There was a, a Calvary Chapel that was down the street, and that was, yes, and Jesus' revolution is my life. So if you watch the movie, we did a lot of um, things at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa and also with uh, Greg Laurie, but mostly Jeff Johnson, which was the pastor of Calvary Chapel Downey. And he was one of the main of the five big Calvary Chapels at that time. 
And so it was... You were 17 at this time? I was 17, yes. I, well, the first time I ever went to a Calvary, I was 16. And then 17 was when I was raising this little girl by myself. She was three months old. And so I went to Calvary, and she was dedicated when she was nine months old. And we just kind of grew up at that church together, her and I. Wow. So when you walked into the church or when you had your conversion experience, let's just say that, what was that like for you? Well, it was really crazy because I actually wrote about it in the book um, even before the movie. Look at that. And um, it talks about what it was like to go in there. It was like seeing everything that I was seeing outside in in a party atmosphere, but different. You know, these people were serving Jesus and they were all excited and there was this happiness about them and everybody was caring about each other in such a different way than even we have today in church because I mean we were at church almost every day of the week you know it was it wasn't just a Wednesday or a Sunday or our zoom call or zoom meeting that you we were there all the time like Mondays were class Tuesday as I was talking to Lisa my oldest daughter and she said mom I can't I remember walking around there when I could barely you know she was barely learning how to walk and that's where she was learning and and she has a real good memory of that youngness you know being brought up at at Calvary oh wow that is just amazing so so how did so tell us a little bit more so where did you go from there I mean you're a single mom how were you making ends meet is that when you got into the security business around that time well because I let's go back to how I got here you know I was a little criminal if you will Um, a little really the word would be juvenile delinquent and so I did what most juveniles or criminals would do if they were trying to disguise who they were I had a fake ID and my fake ID said I was older than I was and so I applied for a job in the security business and they hired me and so it was really funny. You had to be 18 and, you know, you had to have a clean record and all this stuff. And so it, I was there for 10 years before I told the person my true story and who I was. And then we did a security check and everything and, and I was okay. So it was, that was a good wow, thing. Wow. But so, what a, wow. What a cool thing. So you actually had a good job at a young age. I did. I got that job. And what I, I had, you know, I told myself I never had a role model. But I really did. Uh, my mom was my role model of what not to do. And so I would look at her and I'd go, okay, this I can't do or I, I need to change this. Or, and, you know, I'm not, I don't look at it as a, like a victim kind of thing. I look at it like I was really, I was, the, I was a kind of a strange kid. Like I had a teacher in fifth grade tell me, you're never amount to anything. And I said, watch me. You know, instead of getting all upset, I told her. And so it was great. My friend Reggie and I went back to that fifth grade class. And, you know, I was trying to find my teacher to tell her, of what I was and what I became and she was already dead but she was old back then and so you know it didn't affect me like it affected would affect most people because I'm a, I'm I didn't even know about victim mentality uh, you know until I started teaching about it wow so when did you meet your current husband I know your current husband Kevin he's amazing I met my current husband 30 years ago almost 30 years ago well it was 30 years ago because we're gonna be married 30 years in a little bit and oh, so you got married right away we got married in six months. Oh, wow. Yes. And I remember the pastor said, you guys are going to make it because we both had the same long curly hair because he was a rock star, really. You know, he played for the church and stuff and was touring all around. And the guy who walked me down the aisle because my, my dad was already passed away, he said, are you sure about this? I'm not really sure because I was an executive and he was a long hair, leather, rock and roll player. So... Wow, and he helped raise Lisa? What, did he become a father figure to her? Yes, Lisa, he adopted Lisa, oh. and he also adopted Amy, 
and um, they they really don't know anything but Kevin. So. so how old was Lisa when you got together with him? 15. She actually was the one who did it. He was her, this is a funny thing, at Calvary <laughs> Chapel, he was the youth, he worked in the youth department, he was her counselor. And so she says, I have somebody, you've got to meet my mom, she's going to love you. And they had this little thing back and forth. And so she made me promise when we got married, I would never blame her if it didn't work out. <laughs> 30 years later. 30 years later. What an amazing story. So when you watch Jesus Revolution, you and I talked about this a little bit on the phone. I saw Jesus Revolution amazing film and you were right there you had a front row seat you were right there living in that so your conversion experience was um very much so where you explained it to me on the phone when we spoke that these people were getting healed from drugs they were surrendering their life to christ in such radical measures to get completely healed from from drug addiction and all these things that nowadays people are just putting band-aids on they're putting medication uh, they're putting people on medication to get them off drugs. But when you meet Jesus, when you meet Jesus Christ, your life is transformed. And, and I saw that in the movie and I was so impressed by that. But you even more so know how real that was. Yeah. And that's what I was telling you, because that was a part of there was two things in the movie that really caught my eye. And that was the biggest one was that because I work with addicts every day. And I work with mental health a lot. And I've even gotten to a point where I'm going, okay, maybe we should put them on this drug or that drug. And and then I watched that movie and I went, what are you talking about? You've, you grew up watching people walk away from drugs, be healed and never go back. And, and now we have, and I'm not putting down so everybody don't have to call in and complain or anything. I'm not putting down NA or AA and and all these agencies and everything, but we get so dependent on all of these things instead of getting dependent on Jesus. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And um, so as you build your life, you get to the point where, you know, you've been in the security business for, like you said, 34 years, come to Summit. You grow, you learn outside of Summit. You're already involved in, in, you know, you and Kevin are very much... um, you know, in tune spiritually. I feel that he's a very good supporter of you. He lets you kind of just do whatever you want, but he um, is also passionate about the Lord's people too. So it makes it awesome. He has a pastoral calling on his life, your husband, you know? So fast forward, now you're running Be Finally Free. So tell us about how Be Finally Free began, when it began, and what is it? Be Finally Free began in 2008 and that's when I really got the nonprofit. But I was still in the security business at that time. And I was working with those juveniles that I told you about. And I'd come back to the office and I would try to figure out how to solve their problems. And people would come in and they'd go, Debbie, you know, we're selling this alarm system over here. And I need your approval on this, that, and another. And I'm like, oh, get out of here. I just want to know about how to fix this problem for this girl. And it became such a passion of mine that I, I was like moved away. Now, the alarm industry was my passion for many, many years. That was, I loved it. Uh, but it just my I was changing. It was changing me, and these these kids were wrecking me. So you just couldn't. You got to the point where the demand you couldn't keep up with the demand of what the ministry was calling you to do. In in the aspect of you had to go all in. <laughs> well, no, I just felt like the guy was going. I want you to leave here, and I'm going. No way. I mean, how am I ever going to? I you know I was 
high paid. And so it's very difficult when you think about ministry or you think about God doing what he says he's going to do in his word. He's going to take care of us. He's going to give us what we need. But we depend on ourselves in a lot of ways. And for me, I had to do the the way that I did. I had to leave my job because God needed to teach me to trust him. And has he? Oh, but I'm still learning every day. But from when I left my job, if you would have said to me, Debbie, do you trust God? Of course. I looked, did you see what I just did? I had no idea what I was talking about back So then. you've grown in character so much and in I've faith. I've grown in faith because I've watched God do miracles after miracles. I mean, I've been in the in the trenches with people. And, and I mean, when you're working in this ministry, it is not comfortable. I, I have not been comfortable since I left my job. When I was in my office with a nice office and a shower and all that stuff, I was comfortable. This you is had a not, shower in your office? Oh, yes, I did. I <laughs> Put it in. Had a bathroom, shower, everything. That's amazing. Yes. So what? It, so tell us because we have four minutes on this segment. We're going to continue on. F- okay. For another segment, um, which will be aired the following week. But what is be finally free? What do you do? What is your mission statement? Well, what we do is we work with broken, lost people, and and that's everywhere from the mission to the streets to prison to juvenile facilities, and the church. So do they just come to your office? Like, let's say somebody was really down and out. Would they just come to your office and you would sit down with them? Do you have resources? How, how does it work? Yeah, they don't come just come into the office. You you call and we teach. We do all kinds of classes. Let me just give you a rundown yeah. real fast. We do parenting and neglect and domestic violence and anger management. We do things called fall forward for success for people who are trying to get their, even from expungement to help them with um their criminal side records if there's a possible way to help with that um, then we also help with job placement um, housing it just all depends on what's needed and so we'll meet with them we do like a, a orientation if you will or a evaluation over the phone or on the internet if people write in some people write in and then we go from there on what we can do to help that's such a unique ministry what an amazing thing it is that you do it is amazing because God just keeps adding to it as far as one somebody told me something I know we got a couple seconds but somebody told me in Africa you need to narrow your vision so you can be more effective. And I remember being so angry with him in Africa going, "Oh, are you kidding me? God gave me this huge vision and you know it's all this stuff." And now right now I'm honing in on the ministry in such a different way. And God is really showing me that thing that was told to me in Africa is really was a prophetic word that I was tossing away because I didn't agree with it, that that's exactly what I need to do. So we're narrowing it down and we're honing in and watching God just do amazing things. I am so happy uh, to hear about this. So if someone were a candidate for your services and could benefit from Be Finally Free, how would they get a hold of you? Tell us your website and all this stuff. Well, my website is BeFinallyFree.org. And our phone number is 489-5952. 489-5952. Are there resources on your um, yes, page? Yes, they can go to our page or they can go to Facebook and find Be Finally Free there also or Instagram or all the social media. And you can get an idea of what we do. And, and we have it all listed and you can ask for more information or call in. Oh, Dr. W, it's such a pleasure that you took time out of your very busy life and sat down with me. I'm so excited about the next broadcast because what I want to do is I want to really get into some of the leadership tactics that you're talking about right now in your class at Summit Bible College. It's always so um, like 
amazing to hear your experience and what you have to teach on leadership. I really think that the Lead Like Jesus class is, in my personal opinion, the best leadership class because it examines the lifestyle and leadership habits of Jesus. So you can't get much more Christian than that. And I know that you're an expert in that particular book, too, because you've been like certified with them. And um, it's just great. So let's talk about that next broadcast. Thank okay. you for sharing such personal information with us. I know that there's listeners out there that are benefiting from the victory of your life and where you came from and where you are. I mean, what a miracle, right? (laughs) You know, I didn't think about that until... Not too long ago, and yes, definitely a miracle. You are a miracle. So if you enjoyed this broadcast, you can in, you can email us at info at summitbiblecollege.com and let us know that you heard. I encourage you to visit us on the web at summitbiblecollege.com. You can find tons of information and uh, different things that will help answer questions that you may have. And also, we are in office, ready to answer your questions. So if you have any questions, you can call 661-328-1151. God bless you guys. This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College.